Welcome back, listeners, to the Campbell's Footballs podcast with me, Dr. Grant Campbell. Now, I'm joined for this episode by a very special guest. We call him the Dandy Don on Twitter. He is a Spanish football writer and absolute legend, Graham Hunter. Graham, a warm welcome to the show. Doctor, I don't recognise myself, but um, it was a very nice words all crammed together. In a beautiful order, but too much. Too much. <laughs> How are you doing, Graham? It's nice to have you on the show. Thank you. What are you a doctor of? I'm a doctor of soil science, but it's basically earth and environmental sciences, if you want it, to put it that way. <laughs> very th- very thankful of you. It's very much appreciated. Of course, beautiful Rioja wine, of course, you know, comes from wonderful trees and grapes where we get them. So, you know, fantastic. Listen, listen, baby, don't try and pitch all me into all my caring about the environment. The wine. I, I, like, I like breathing. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just keep on, on doing what you're doing, Grant, and uh, from now on, you've got to grant any. Fantastic. Well, that's very, very kind of you, Graham. Much appreciated. How are you keeping over in Spain? Because, you know, this year has really been not the best with COVID-19. How have you personally been coping? Um, deep question for so early in our relationship. Um, Look, I'm not of an age. This is the answer I gave um, months ago, and it remains true. I'm not of an age whereby I don't know what I was eight or nine, maybe eight, um, when we had the, the three-day week and the winter discontent and, you know, we had several days a week when there was no electricity at all. Um, and once the novelty of not having school died off, it, it was strange back in the early 70s to, um, there was a little bit of stockpiling of food. Um, Businesses shut down. Uh, given that we were joking around about your what your PhD is in there, we were in an instance whereby it okay, largely because of pay demand. There wasn't enough power being generated for life to continue as normal in terms of businesses shut down, schools shut down, and houses were left without power, often in a period of weeks and during the night, not just during the day. And um, initially this um, year, when in Spain we were confined to the house for medical emergencies, some people were allowed to go to work and were allowed to food shopping. That went on for weeks and weeks. I mean, by memory it's an indication of how the human mind works. By memory it was March till June. That's a long time. Yes. And, um, I cope with it then, uh, firstly because we're a really happy family. Uh, not all families 
no, I domestic violence figure, sure. Are able to be um, locked up for weeks on end together? Most families function diametrically opposite to that. We don't. And, <laughs> you know, you asked me about coping, you didn't ask me if, you know, I'd rather that the pandemic could never happen. I, I, I was talking to friends who lost people in March and April and May. So people shouldn't be facetious when I'd say that, you know, there were a lot of occasions when you had a lot of fun, uh, quizzes or um, what we watched together or how we cope, how we cook. And uh, I'm not somebody who likes my liberty, my wings be quit. I missed work. And I was aware that we were going through a time whereby, you know, for some people, they do. The results of what was happening was uh, devastating. So, as far as I was concerned, the first time I had a problem. And then, of course, as your palate gets educated, being back at work and playing golf and being able to go to cinema and whatever else, you know, it's been um, what would you call it? It's been a bit angular. Um, being cut back again, um, being unable to attend to Aberdeen uh, for various reasons, but principally half of my uh, 80 something parents. And for all of us, this part of the family that's still here uh, for this Christmas festival and New Year, that's um, a blow. Mm-hmm. It's not as tough as the families who. Are, uh, are warning somebody or you still fear that the vaccine might not come in time. And my father-in-law, who just got news before I came on the podcast with you, is going to be one of the first in Scotland to get vaccinated. That's great. We're told, which is fantastic news. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, I cope and there are a lot of different ways I could have answered it, but maybe that's the most fundamental thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to wish your father-in-law all the best when he does get the vaccine because I think that's very fundamentally important and I know a range of people, including my own grandmother, who are very much welcoming this this, uh, vaccine and and hoping that they they get it sooner rather than later. So I just want to send my my best wishes to you in that regard. In, In terms of the way that football has developed through this pandemic, have you been surprised at how well the competitions, especially in some of the major leagues, have been able to, to do well? Um, in so many different ways, man. I mean, they haven't got it wholly right. There's been repeated incidents of footballers across Europe choosing to, to prioritise their own wishes or their own celebrations or whatever it might be but mistakes get made by all branches of society and fundamentally to answer your question I didn't think football and Spain could be back as soon as it was um, purely on a, on a um, due diligence basis and the company that is principally responsible for um, televising football and Spain called MediaPro it's one that hosts La Liga television and there are some people in media pool, uh, not across the board, but there are some experts in media pool I think have done 
outrageously good job. And La Liga is run by a, a lawyer called Javier Tebas. And, you know, it's sad that I have to put an asterisk in front of him, but I, you know, I distinctly, distinctly don't share his political outlook on life. But in terms of what he's been able to do with La Liga, the fact that his brother in the States, um, or Tebas is, is a Spaniard, um, was an epidemiologist. Um, and, and was very senior in, in the States' uh, reaction to their uh, pandemic meant that Tebas was armed with a lot of information that allowed him to plug forward in, in planning, in safety, and in galvanizing the industry in this country to be ready to go back. And the quality of what we saw from June onwards, particularly in La Liga, because um, in the Champions League we all got a fancy thing. But the quality in La Liga ran at such a long break, shot me. Um, subsequently, once the new season start, I started, I came back at a few games, enjoyed it immensely, seen the precautions that I've been taking and, and welcomed them. Um, by, by point of view only, by opinion only, mm-hmm. I think Spain probably could have um, welcomed some fans back in the manner of what we've seen in England but not in Scotland. That hasn't been the case. I might just move on because that's simple opinion, not... No, not fair enough. Opinion. Fair enough. And the quality of football this uh, season, as a degree of safety, because so there have been COVID cases, but to my knowledge, so far in the community, the most fundamental is everybody is still alive. Very true. Secondly, the number of cases, there was one brutal case between Guanabara and the uh, Cotiba La Coruña, which remains deeply controversial, but it also remains the uh, um, exception. So across La Liga, the degree of um, avoidance of um, spread of COVID, um, the quality of football, the quality of entertainment, that's all amazing. And just about above all, I'm not clear how this is going, um, because they've been deprived of such enormous revenue hmm. that even, even if you think that um, football salaries are devastatingly bloated. I still respect the players who've taken uh, salary deferrals. I still respect the players who've taken salary uh, reductions. But I fear that we've got you know a real cold winter to come for the season because uh, you know, when you choke the circulation of um, money in a major industry like this for so long and so drastically. We, we you know, even when crowds are back, there will still be many, 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 many months of, of the patient being sickly in, yeah. in financial terms. So the repercussions will, will be further than the horizon you see right now. But in terms of kicking the ball around the pitch, this season, having begun a little bit um, with the players' body 
clocks and the, and the, the risk factor on the pitch in terms of creativity being a little bit down. In recent weeks, Sunday guys reasserted it. It's fantastic entertainment, it's technical quality, the types of open attacking games that we want to see. And it's, it's become from a point where it kind of, I thought it was a little bit, um, you know, there were two or three weeks where it was just a little bit arid. Mm. Now it's, it's luxuriant and bountiful again. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to have the major leagues back and for a massive football fan like myself, you know, I, I've really enjoyed seeing Spain and Germany, France and Italy and obviously the English League and the Scottish League, which of course we'll come on to talk about really getting back on and really keeping the show going because that's what the fans want even though they can't physically be there to support their team. Yeah, 
I mean, Rashford has been an inspiration this year especially, but you mentioned about Aberdeen and the community trust that Aberdeen have done. I mean, I've spoken with Stephen Boddy and Aaron Scully, who are very much involved with the community trust, and they're two really great guys. So I just want to give those guys in particular a big shout, but also to the community trust as a whole, because they've just done some absolutely superb work, as have so many other clubs across Scotland and across the world. The community trust is, I think, I'm glad you mentioned that in particular. Um, I'd also want to mention Duncan Skinner, who's a, a big part of Community Trust for a long time and, and has been you know, struggling with his well-being recently. Mm. Um, and Dave Cormack, you know, it's certainly my opinion that we've got a great leader but somebody who's extremely important um, his ideas are definitely about engaging more fully more successfully um, with our supporters with the community in general and my opinion is that we've got somebody really special um, mm. leading our club and therefore uh, you know yeah, it's if you wanted, Grant, if you mm-hmm. wanted the club um, to show why you loved it, show others in times of trouble what's special about what we do, then um, then I think Aberdeen have been at their very best over the last few months, irrespective of the fact that they're, you know, they're desperately short of money themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, in my opinion, we've done particularly well. And I wanted to make a reference to somebody who I'll come back to in a minute. But, um, yeah, that's what I wanted to say about that. No, you're, you're absolutely right to do so, Graham, and I think it's uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, as I said, it's fantastic to have you on. Bumper Graham Latour or Graham Hunter, the dandy Don from Spain. It's an absolute privilege, as I said, to have you on the show. I've been wanting to get you on the show for quite a long time. I've had so many people talk about you, including Ian the Plumber, Ian Arnott, who is a big fan of the show, so I want to give Ian a big shout as well, uh, previous yeah, guest of the show. It's a mighty man. You, you should see that man on a motorcycle. He's, he's, he's the Scottish Barry Sheen. <laughs> He's also a Kilmarnock fan, which you know, we all have our faults, don't we? <laughs> yeah, listen, but um, what's our record against them recently? What's that, sir? What's our record against them recently? Well, we, 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 we haven't lost it, kid, at Kilmarnock since 2011. About nine years? Yeah. Pretty good going, well, I would say. You can support Kelly all you want. <laughs> Ian, you have the right of reply on Twitter when this comes out. It's great to have you on, Graham. Um, my first question I always like to ask is, how did you get into football from the beginning? What made you want to support Aberdeen right at the very start of your life? Um, you know, it's, it's very simple. My dad took me. Um, when, as soon as I was young, I was kicking a ball, enjoying it, and in the 60s. I, I don't know whether it was because of his... Um, I was personalistic about whether I pestered him, but he began to take me to the reserve game in the late 60s. Um, when we played in the All Royal Blue, we played it in the identical kit, Chelsea at the time. And um, around that Royal Blue, the, the, the reserves were started to play at the Codrington, which is obviously a 
was never really a weekend without a kid where I've been playing at home. And it's the first team of the way you watch the reserves. And um, my dad would do that. He would, he would go every week to his place in the centre stand uh, of Hardy and Seagology. And as if he'd known since the yeah, middle of 16. No, 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 that's not true. Since he'd known, he'd known since the Pardon me. And um, all the fear that my dad brought for the more fervent football fans, Steve, like the atmosphere, like being with his chums, wasn't it a mad football fan? And when, it, quite often on a Saturday, if the reserves were playing, my dad would go, and sometimes Buck would go, but sometimes my dad would go in his own spot, probably text with him in the cage and so. And I remember him, you know, he'd come home and talk about the players that impressed him. One of the first that he was impressed with when I was becoming conscious of what he was saying was, was Jinky Smith. And I was just too young to go and see Jinky play the first team. But my dad took me along to see him playing reserve team football when, he was, when I was very young, but he was coming back from injury. And um, I, as soon as I got a taste of it, 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 you know, it's like every week, that's the most common story you get about football. Yeah. Which was that even, um, so my first game wasn't a nighttime game. Yeah, my first uh, game was at the Tilti, just here, probably a couple of days ago. It was a decent crowd there. Um, of course, it's long before the South Stand became a South Stand, so it was, it, it was different architecturally. But the, the main stand to on the site of the green pitch and the, the old, there's three old farmers who came in from the country sat um, behind them and um, a rich accent in, you know, speaking in a way that I could hear a home or in Tulsa, the old site that I got the, the, the pipe tobacco um, they're swearing, roaring at the referee, roaring at the team Yeah. Um, and it was kind of uh, Royal Blue Not Dark Blue, so it's almost identical to the Rarities trip, and I love that. 
I've been in Aberdeen for about six months. <laughs> oh, where'd you live? Uh, Aberdeenshire, just outside Ellen. I know where you roughly mean. certainly has I mean more so for yourself obviously since I was in late early 90s you know I, I didn't see us win the Scottish Cup but I've seen us win the League Cup in 2014 but the stories you must have Graham I mean that Cup Winners Cup team from the early 80s I mean that was a tremendous time to be an Aberdeen fan wasn't it Everybody that knew and everybody that met thought 
outright class. There's no residual <coughs> Celtic and you just you know, just have the stage in post. The thing in his mind and you know we had Ali, you know, Alan McCleary were absolutely great. <laughs> Alex uh, one of Ali's at least one of Ali's sons was to the same thing he You know we did things under Ali that were just Unbelievable. You win the Petrochi thing, then with Dr. Ninjas, we could beat them. And of course, was, there was, you know, Joey was coming back, Bob was still there, uh, it was great. But we, Sunday after the discussion, you know, we got, you know, an open Petrochi, uh, where we're going to afford the team because, you know, the, the, the second and everything came to the two final. He doesn't go up my mind. And I remember Billy in his, his sort of leather jacket. Get the rest of this. We'll have a pause and you wait. You come back. Yeah. So the the Ferguson era, uh, Graham, was quite extraordinary, wasn't it? There was a sense of change. 
that's true. And a part of that was, was what Gregory seemed to take them. I think it was quite bumpy to begin with, with him and Warner. Mm. And I think that if the, if the chairman hadn't been such a wise man, Donald, I'm not certain that if we could have all stayed together long enough to make us world dominant as we became. You're right, you didn't invite them to go to week by week of Bergen Dream. By, by the time the European campaign came, um, he'd already told me at least taught me that at a time when Celtic was still football healthy but Raiders were in a mess. For various reasons, part of which was, you know, renewing the stadium, which many clubs in the seventies did suffer for. Mm-hmm. It was essential. And um, Rangers weren't right. So I, I don't see a lot being talked about that. But it was lucky for Fergie that Rangers weren't right. That helped just simply difficult. Mm-hmm. But his idea that with the right players, and those included to me, it was brilliant, that he, he trusted, we used a team with young guys who'd either come from Aberdeen, the North East, or had been in the academy for a while. And I thought it was a badge matter, but it was a community matter. That was, that was fantastic. Right from the start, that meant a lot to me. And you could see the team Shape, not just in talent or how they fit with one another, but the attitude. So when we was a draw, I thought that long before uh, 82 83 the personality changed. And you know, Clay Brady's been Celtic home away thinking, whatever happens, we'll be in this. And that was a rare feeling, and it's become real now, John. Mm. And therefore, that's why I feel sorry for people who've grown up without that feeling. Because for a long time before Alex Ferguson, you know, those of us of my age had that too. Had that, like, I'm not quite sure how this would go if, if, we're in a, if we're in a year where we've lost a player or two that was important or performed bad, then, you know, we're not to the races. Every now and again, we beat them. We were never close, we were never, never went on losing speeches as long as these have been, where, where the victories were slowly committed. But we, we had to wait, we had to learn what it's like to, to be dominant and win it again. Absolutely, and I think one of the great there things. Run, Grant, there was a run of thirty-something games where Rangers came to the didn't. I mean, thirty-something games where Rangers came to the didn't win. Yeah. They were beaten before they came out. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? You don't see that nowadays. Not really. You, you can look at you can look at them trotting out up to Dodgy, and you're like, look at the faces. They've all not known the taste of winning Dodgy, and they were beaten before they came out. But the, but the European year, what I meant to say was, if you remember the, the years before, there had been some really interesting games. I loved the European game. Right from that, I can't remember if that first game was Molenbeek or Eintracht Frankfurt, I can't remember. But the year before the big year, you know, we'd, we'd beaten Ipswich. That was that home game, not really game. And was this, this was the Ipswich team that had Brazil, wasn't it? And uh, Bobby Robson was manager, wasn't well, it?
I mean, the, the John Hewitt moment is synonymous in Aberdeen's history. And one of the great things from my point of view with that is my late grandfather who passed away uh, last year. He was in the hospital bed getting a, a knee operation back in 2010. And in the hospital bed next to him is John Hewitt. And he gets his signed autograph. And I just thought that's such a sensational moment from a guy who's steeped in Aberdeen history. I'm sad you've lost your granddad. Neil Cooper. Yeah, it's a good team. That night with the, the Dennis 
same way as Ludwig Zerg and Jim Wayton and Stuart Kennedy. Um, Johnny Cure was there, uh, Neil Sun was there. And up on stage with the Scooby, um, Willie Miller, Jim Wayton and, and things like that. And during that night, I had to pinch myself a few things because it, it doesn't matter if I've got to know the world of football and the privileges I've been given. Um, the games I've been at or the interviews I've been allowed to participate in or you know, I was in a World Cup final in Dresden when the players have passed the trophy around and the European Championship and the Champions League final Dresden and Aberdeen team, you know, obviously under Derry McInnes, you know there's been a lot of positive things that Derek's done at the club, hasn't he Graham? I mean to have won a League Cup, to be consistently in the top six, to be consistently battling for Europe, to be consistently in major finals and League Cup finals, Scottish Cup finals you know, on the outside looking in it's been a particularly good time to be an Aberdeen fan, isn't it? You could be as frank as you want. Well, I don't see things the same way as you do. Then. Um, That's interesting. Do, I do agree with your premise that um, hiring Derek McInnes for Aberdeen is not good. I do agree that the change that we saw from what he inherited and what he immediately demanded needed new standards, new attitudes. We've spoken regularly to players that managed over there. You a question that you think you know, teaches them, you know, we go out, we're not sex best with these themselves. Um, or at least that's what, you know, that's the word uh, under this manager. And I like him. Um, but if I'm honest, um, there are two strands in that I desire to be far ahead of what you described as good times. Mm. Far ahead. Yeah. And objectively, I'd like a different route towards it. So the, the, the two things I would say, without being uh, critical of, of the manager, but the manager has to do a job in circumstances that in some 
really, really strongly. That um, we should have a clear, attainable objective to finish second once or twice over the next two, three years. And I think it should be within our five, six year plan to win the title, in my opinion. Mm. Now, this is something that can only be done if, if the scouting and the academy work are exceptional. And where I would say the, the, the two key things is that I want to see our academy players being given ex- extensively more time in the first team and season to season. Um, it's the it's the way in which we breed a, a, a squad which is similar to 81, 82, 83, 84 because we, we, we can't encounter another Ferguson, I don't think, because he's unique almost in the history of British football. Never mind the history of Aberdeen football. Absolutely. But I think we can produce footballers of the mindset and of the calibre of Neil Cooper, Neil Simpson, John Hewitt. And I think that it's been proven that it's possible to recruit people from the south um, of the calibre of Peter Beer and Johnny McMaster and Willie Miller. I'm using big words. But for as long as, and it may not be a long time, for as long as Ferguson and, and McCrory are with us, smashing. And I think that if you look at the length of time that some of the English players have been willing to, to spend with us, there's still something about living and play, living in Aberdeen and playing for Aberdeen that is attractive to, to footballers who uh, you might think we, we possibly shouldn't be able to attract and keep. So that's one. And two is the brand of football. I can't sign up for, I'll never ever lose my love of the damage, but I can't sign up for a brand of football that isn't play using the ball well, keeping the ball. That I agree with. Pulling the opponents apart with the quality of the passing. And here we go. For all listeners to fans podcast, my uh, boiler engineer has just left the house. <laughs> Another first on Camel's Rules. And the, the boiler mechanic has left the house. And he wasn't even the latest link. Um, you know, if the ball goes back to Joe Lewis now, look at all the back four all, all move forward because the, the orders are that it goes long. And I'm not asking for Guardiola style play out from the back at all times, but I want the ethos to be a speedy transition of the ball from Aberdeen player to Aberdeen player in an extent, to an extent that it begins to resemble the things that we remember mm-hmm. from the early 80s. Because it's easy for anybody who's a naysayer to say, well, stop dreaming of it. Well, okay, you know, we probably won't produce a Strachan and a Weir and a Miller because they were truly, you know, all-time exceptional. And an identical first, no, and, and win European trophies. All right, maybe that's reaching. Fine. But we can reproduce and, and, and still need to. And, and this is not being critical of the current managers, it's just a fact at the moment. We don't have that ferocious personality whereby we pressed and hungrily won the ball back quickly all the time. Yeah. We, we 
don't use the ball, we, we often use the ball in a way which is a little bit negligent. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, and it's changing. You know, I've seen changes. I think that we are now run by a man named Dave Cormack who, in my opinion, wants similar things. And I still welcome a lot of what's happened in, at our club uh, in the Derek McInnes regime. But without being um, overly aggressive and while trying to be constructive, I want our identity to be markedly different in, in three ways. Use of academy players, an extended faith, the concept of how to play football, and then going back at your concept, the concept of what we've done in recent years to me, no. Who's going to win the fucking League Cup this year? Is it us? No. No. Is it either of the ugly sisters? No. Then why the fuck isn't it us? Because we weren't good enough against them. That's my point of view. No, it's, it's a very fine point of view. I, 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 I absolutely, in principle, agree with what I've already said. Who, who's, who's won? Who's won trophies since we last won? Well, Celtic have dominated quite a lot of them. No, 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 no. Who's won trophies? St Johnston. Hibs. St Johnston won trophies. Hibs have won trophies. I'm not mistaken. St Mirren won something. I'm made to fine. Look, man. You know, I'll take my claws in now. It's Christmas. But my, my, my perspective is, uh, and I've been choosing my words I've been toning it down quite a lot No, you've been very fair you've been very fair and I, I, I really admire your points of view on the Dons you're very passionate like I am I, I, I may be coming across a little bit more measured about it because I'm the presenter but there's a lot of things I agree no, with what you're saying I, just, I believe that there's a lot of things I've seen and learned from here that can be replicated uh, they change your horizon change your beliefs and I think that you know, we have been fortunate for a lot in the recent regime. Yeah. But I, I don't just want more. I believe there, there has been more available and now there must be more. Yeah. One question I want to ask you is the longevity of Andy Considine at Aberdeen, Graham. I mean, what is he like as a player in your eyes? Because as a fan, he's been there for so long and been absolutely fantastic, hasn't he? Um, I enjoy him a lot. Um, his uncle would have played in that cup final, which I went to, which disappointed me so so badly. I'd be right, but now I, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. back that day. Um, I remember um, I was at uh, a dinner. Alton's of Bridgeton, and it was Kenny Alexander's team, some local team. And he'd invited me to come back from Spain, and I had to speak, and Ty Cooper had to speak, and it was the night that the Dandies were playing in Dundee, and I think we won about seventeen nil, and the Andy Constance scored about fifteen of them. Mm-hmm. What was that about seven one or something? Like that? Yeah, seven nil. I was I was out that night. I was at a pub that night with a Dundee fan, and he left at five nil. <laughs> did, didn't Andy get a, a half full of goal? He got he got a hat trick. Got three. I love, I would answer your question by saying that I think he embodies everything that I was trying to transmit in my last answer. That's a great response. It matters to him. He's been loyal to us. The badge is important to him. 
Cusco. The effort is never less than the, an, an inhuman ultra maximum. Uh, he enjoys being a dandy. Yeah. He's one of us, and yet he's somebody that we would all aspire to be. To yeah. Um, Well, that was what I was going to ask you. Do you think it was well the timing of him getting his first Scotland cap? Were you surprised it wasn't earlier that he got a chance? I think it's taken a little bit of time for the time to be right, and I don't mean about Conte. I mean about the way Scotland is right now. I've been exponent that a lot, a lot of good things happen under Gordon Strachan. Atmosphere, ideas, and it so happens that. I interpret some of the things that Gordon says differently to, to the way in which he was sort of harangued by the, by the Scotland media. And when I talked to the players, they they definitely thought something was happening. And it's clear that, that there were parts of when Big Scooby was in charge too that, that, that could have could have gone well. But now it's it's crystal clear that something a little bit similar to what happened to us in 1979 is happening in that don't compare compare Stevie Clark directly to Alex Ferguson but he's been the right guy for the tactical ideas for the atmosphere for the group mentality that he built but of course you're only ever a product of your players you can be as you can be as clever as you like as a man manager or as a coach or as a rallier or a media handler or how you manage the SFA upwards you can be brilliant at all Yeah. 
be working in laboratory conditions for a little while. No. And therefore, I think once he fitted into an environment which was perfect for him. And I think what's been really good as well as a whole is there's been a lot of products of Aberdeen FC that have been involved in the Scotland setup in recent times. You mentioned Ferguson and McCrory at under-21s earlier on, but guys like Kenny McLean, Ryan Christie have been involved and, and really been playing well. And that's positive for Scotland, isn't it, long-term internationally? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I spent a couple of days ago, I spent a couple of hours um, speaking. Um, I went to Kev Campbell, who's a big striker for Arsenal and Everton and West Brom and played at Trubs on Sport, one of Forest too. And he talked about watching Laurie Cunningham and Cyril Regis, Brendan Batson and others, but then playing for West Brom in the 70s and going, there are black men playing brilliantly on match of the day. Um, John Bleasdale, a great Aberdeen friend of mine and, and a follower of the, the Campbellsville's podcast, but also the SPFL 42 show as well, uh, asked me a really interesting question to ask you, Graham. Obviously, you mentioned about Stephen Archibald and the, 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 the connections he's had with Aberdeen over and obviously now living in Spain. And Ian Jess, John has chatted with Ian Jess and, you know, a fantastic player. Who's the bigger starlet in Spain now? <laughs> Two great players. <laughs> Jesse's magic. Jesse is such a footballer. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad to have still in Scotland because I was on the point of moving to London. He was going to the and gave me such enjoyment. He's such a full choice of footballer. The ability to take and turn. Even though he's not, he's not built and shoot, he always made sure quick and strong. But his technical ability at base was just fabulous. And he's, you know, when, we see, when we've seen each other over here, I've enjoyed something enormous. Like, very much. He lives in a wonderful part of the world, but the further down the coast he is. And, um, you know, I'm certainly very popular in the community. But when I'm out with Steve, Steve, Steve still stops traffic. You know, I mean, well, let's be honest, he's not to bend us out with that. Back of head out, which is impossible. When he debuts over here, he's 
fantastic yeah it's brilliant and the great thing about Aberdeen there's just so many characters over the years that we have seen throughout the club I mean Ian Jess is a, a fantastic player probably one of the first players I really connected to when I started following the Dons in the 90s Jim Layton as well but throughout your time Graham do you have a favourite person or is it is it too difficult to choose My mum's favourite player was Gorn Strachan. My mum's favourite player was Gorn Strachan. And, and 
Ian Arnott told me a great story about you guys in the night out once on my own show. Singing? Yes. Brilliant player, but a brilliant manager as well. Oh, it's English. It's some great names you just cherry picked. They're fantastic memories. What about the European away days with the Dons? Because I, I there's so many great games that Aberdeen have played. Even in my time following the, the club, you know, recently that win in Rijeka springs to my mind. The Groningen result, you know, battles against Bayern I, Munich, Atletico Madrid, right of course. The week after the Rijeka win, and it's a one-on-one interview, um, and those days it wasn't too much. I always wore my I was in the last interview with the master, and he was wearing a red white shirt, and I said straight, he's got to be 
Madrid team back in the day had Aguero in it, of course, very famously. Maxi Rodriguez. Dodds fans listening to this will be that's happened to me that's happened to me because I've got a few pals of mine who've been kicked out of games for being too drunk especially at Scottish Cup semi-finals and finals and let back in yes 
No names being mentioned on the show. If you'd like to get yourself forward, please tweet me at stat underscore Grant. Love to know that. Graham, one thing that really interests me in your story is why you decided to move to Spain. Were you always interested in the Spanish culture, the literature, the the language? What made you want to move to Spain? Oh, it grew on me, um, and it happened to be that um, on you know, like the night after being drawn one one at Ipswich, I was sleeping in the floor my uncle's shop and singing along to what do you call it? Soft Sap, Tina Blum. Great song, by the way. Pretty lucky. 
Yeah, Spain is a wonderful country. I've been to Barcelona myself on a couple of occasions. I've been outside the new camp. Unfortunately, I never got to go into the new camp because I was on a, on a tour. So it's a fantastic stadium. But I have so many aspirations to go and visit some Spanish footballing grounds. I chatted to Alvaro Romeo on a previous show. And what I asked him was, you know, some of the historical connections with Spanish football, the, the battle in between Sociedad and a range of other clubs, obviously the, the Del Clasico, Valencia, you mentioned. Terrific. We'll just take a short break. I was saying, you know, there, there's so many great clubs in the Spanish league, and I chatted to Alvaro Romeo on a previous show, and every Spanish club, like in all uh, countries, they have their own stories to share, don't they? Well, culturally, they're very rich. Culturally, they're um, diverse. It's It's... It's not different from what it's like in the UK in terms of diversity because if you compare um, Carlisle and Aston Villa and Inverness Cali and the Danians and Everton, you're going to get different um, people, different stories, different ideas, different philosophies, different heroes, different accents. All of that's exactly true of Spain. It's a much bigger country geographically, so maybe there are more different types of tales um, I don't know if it's true to say that Spain feels more divided during the time that I've been here and uh, I might be a mirage because by the time I came here the, the, the way in which Etta was behaving I stopped um, and that was you know that was a type of terrorism which was akin to what we saw in the in Northern Ireland, but the country is, I think, fracturing quite a lot, particularly over the last six, seven years when there's been acceleration. And the football clubs are, are to some degree slightly iconic of that. There is a degree of um, a lot of them against the centralists, as Barcelona have got more successful. A lot of them have wanted to knock over Barcelona too, but it's, you know, there's not an awful lot of love lost between the two bads. Giants, Real Sociedad and Athletic, but you know, why would we ignore Alaves getting to the cup final, Abar, a lot of miracle parents like Bill Sight being in the, the Premier League? Yeah, Bill or Ellen, sorry, it's like Ellen being in the Premier League. <laughs> and Abar, you know, of the Basque uh, country, uh, uh, they have a right to be considered as a little miracle. And if you dip into the the different attitudes that you see in Andalusia or in uh, Galicia, the Valencia community, you'll see proud declarations of this is our identity, this is our language, we want our players to play like this or that and they'll play with different. So yeah, there's a, there's a rich ecosystem here in Spanish football, really rich. And it, the details are now better known because people like Sid Lowe and the Guardian, thanks to Sky, um, thanks to there being many more agencies based out here now, and thanks to Charlie Allen, uh, our human uh, express asking me would I like to go home in Spanish football. Yeah, Charlie, I'd love to. He said, there are as many people wandering around in Barcelona, Real Madrid, Kicks and Aberdeen, and there are in Aberdeen trips, so why wouldn't I said, why wouldn't we? I agree. Yeah. So the tales are better known than that, um, but it, it, it doesn't mean that 
You've witnessed some amazing players in Spanish football for Barcelona, Real Madrid and a range of other clubs. Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Cristiano Ronaldo, Gareth Bale, Karim Benzema, Sergio Ramos, to name just a few I've selected. Who have you admired watching from a distance but also close up and personal? Joaquin at Real Betis. Joaquin originally... I, I didn't like what he said when he was at Valencia and he was flagging off the things that Luis uh, Aragonés was doing. I thought, this guy's a bit clownish. And he was famous for joking around and always being a bit of a lark. And over the years, um, it's been easy to, to change that view of him because he plays an extraordinary art of beautiful football. He's continued to do so until you know, his 39th year. He's still a magnificent athlete who plays gorgeously and he's a guy who leads green and white practice. I'd love to watch him at the moment. Yago Aspas is um, he's a little you know, he's a little football character in Tokyo. You know, he looks he still looks about, you know, twenty five and he's got this totally boyish physique and demeanour and, and and literally plays like somebody out of a out of Tiger and Scotch. This is my club. I will not let it suffer. The, the odds are stacked a million ones against, against this ball. I've got the I've got the remedy, I've got the resolution. It's unbelievable to watch him. Um, little examples like them um, at, at, at the moment, you know, I'm hugely enjoying watching Casemiro and Valverde in the field for Real Madrid. Um, but across the years Athletic. I was going to say him. Terrific work. Clever. Um, and, and what was incredible was if you look at the number of clubs he had to play for before he got back to where he should have been all along and how he kept getting better as the years. Okay, eventually he had to stop sooner than he wanted to. At 39, I think, because his, his physique was given up to his hip. Um, but his, his football savvy kept getting better and better and better. Um, we could get Casola, another one who not only got brighter and brighter at football across the years, but was fun to be around and was told that you know he was in jeopardy for his mobility now in his football career and came back and played utterly brilliantly for Lothoriel and is now in Qatar winning trophy after trophy alongside Xavi as Xavi's born picks lieutenant, John Captavila, one of the funniest guys I've ever been around, kind of makes this pretense about, well, I'm not a great footballer and I shouldn't have been, you know, won the World Cup in the European Championship in 2008 and, and it's unbelievably good company to be around. The names just continue to trip off the tongue. Yeah. There are many, many of them. Yeah. And that's been part of the joy in, in that they let you in. They, they let you get to know them, they have mm. fun with you. If you want to talk football, most of them are kind of ceaselessly enthusiastic about doing that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. No, I, I admire the way that you've kind of seen that because I developed through my own podcast a real love affair for Northern Irish football and I've tried to connect to a range of clubs in the Northern Irish League from Linfield, the defending champions, to Warren Point Town who are one of the minnows, the, the provincial clubs in that league. And I think it's good. You get to see different cultures, different ideas, different personalities and that's what football's all about, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
especially for me, before I moved abroad, I would religiously read world soccer and try to find patterns, try to find names that scored each week in Belgium or Italy or Africa, um, which did I not know about them suddenly doing well and, and simply by reading text, the internet didn't gift us endless amounts of recorded football live football. And therefore, I would pick on a guy who I saw scoring one week and then try and follow him. In that, and there was a six or seven page section at the end of World Soccer Week, you get the, the results and things one, two, three weeks late. And, and if you're talking about that type of fascination, then hold on a second. Then. Oh, um, I agree with you, friends, that yeah, the, the world is full of uh, a, a rich variety of characters and what makes us love the game. Grant, I've been told my duties have impinged uh, on us, so I've got Christmas duties now. So let's just uh, come to a wrap-up. Yep, shall we do that? that that's good, because uh, I was just about heading towards that point anyway. So, Graham, we are coming to the end. I, I realise I've taken up so much of your time, but I've I'm, I'm really enjoyed our chat. It's been absolutely fantastic. I could have asked you so many more questions, but we've, we've done nearly an hour and a half. We will. One day we will. Which is fantastic. There's definitely a part two for this. Last question for you. What's your hope for next year, for 2021? What's your big plus or hope moving forward? enjoy a, a lot more um, football in person that we can have fun and that people don't need to fear about their, their health that we're less divisive that politically there's, there's greater consensus and greater wish for doing things for the good um, of society and that in football terms the dandies win a trophy Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Come on, you Reds, because I want to see us win some silver as well. Graham, as I said, I'm pretty sure there's a part two in this. Thanks very much for coming on Campbell's Footballs for now, anyway. Good, good wishes to everybody that listens to you, and, and well done to you for all you do for football. Thank you very much. Cheers for that. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a